Welcome back, everybody. You are here with your two favorite podcast hosts. Man, it's been a long time getting rusty here. Chuck Rocha, Mike Madrid here talking about the Latino Vote 2024. Chuck, haven't seen you in a while. It's been a busy holiday season and a heck of a lot has happened. How in the heck are you, my friend? There's a siding. Mike Madrid, Chuck Rocha, we are alive. We are back. It's podcast season. It's election time. We just finished the Iowa caucuses. Things are getting hot and heavy. Folks had thought Mike Madrid had died, but in fact, he is here. Folks know mm-hmm. that I went and got hair transplants. When you see the video <laughs> clips, you'll notice that that's a lie as well. And so we need to get on here to let folks know we are back, bigger and better than ever. I want you all to know we were thinking about doing an episode called uh, A Mexican on Ice and sending Chuck on location into Iowa. But he just couldn't muster the courage. So we did it. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those results right now. This is going to be a short uh, episode because we wanted to just let you guys know that the Latino Vote podcast is getting geared up again. We promised you guys in 2024. We obviously went dark towards the latter part of the year. Not Well, we thought there was not going to be a whole lot of news. But, boy, there's been a ton of news on this front. And that, and that you know tells me that this is going to be a very, very robust, very dynamic year. So before we get too into it, I do want to remind you all that if you do – have the opportunity to give us some feedback on topics you want us to have discussed, guests you want us to be talking to, an interview, or perspectives that you think are missing. Please reach out to us and just let us know. You know how to find us. If you're listening to us here, you know how to find us. Share this uh, widely. Uh, obviously, became a much bigger hit than we thought it was going to be, but uh, with me involved and uh, Chuck uh, providing backup, I don't see how it could have worked out any other way. Yep. And it's going to be interesting as we dive into this. And we thank everybody for all the support you gave us last time and that this year will be even bigger and even better. So, you know, the 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 newsletter will continue and go out. There'll be a podcast. We'll be interviewing folks from all over. But I think your feedback to Mike's point is really, really important. There's lots of different chatter out there, clutter, news, uh, fake news, good news, bad news, bad news good news, all the above, <laughs> but you come to one spot to get the unfiltered, unvarnished uh, truth about our community. And sometimes me and Mike are going to get along. Sometimes we ain't going to get along. But the one thing we're going to do is represent our community and try to give a voice to our community. And that's the reason we started this. And that's the reason we're kicking this thing back up because it's an election year. So with that in mind, Chuck, what do you see as I would, I don't want to say three because that's a lot, but if you got three or more, go ahead and give them to me. What are the top two biggest dynamics or changes you see as it relates to the approach that the Latino vote is getting? Do you see differences? You've been at this a long time. I think you're on your 60th year as a political consultant, which makes you about 80, 85 years old. Um, You've seen a lot. You've been through a lot. You've seen a lot of cycles come and go. What are you seeing that's different this year as it relates to the Latino vote? Nobody's ever seen what we're going to see this year because we have like two incumbent presidents running against each other. Mm. It's just crazy. Everybody knows Joe Biden. That's good. And that's bad. Everybody knows Donald Trump and that's good. And that's bad. Mm-hmm. And the, pre- and we'll talk about this at nauseum. I know we will, but the presidential campaign is just going to take so much energy out of the room around so much things that will be going on. Donald Trump will rush the line with an overbearing amount of news, good and bad. And, Joe Biden will do his best to be relevant and talk about what he's done, and we'll talk about that. But all that big Chuck Rocha, former Mike Madrid windup to say is the main thing I'm watching is races where there's not a presidential battleground above them. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, and Mike talked about this a lot in the last off-year elections about California. 
But California and New York and Florida, where I would say, what, Mike, 40% of the Latino population is 60? Yeah, 40. Yeah. They won't have anybody advertising at a statewide level in the general election. There'll be some minor Senate candidates. You know, what happens with Adam Schiff if a Republican gets in? What happens with Colin Allred? But it'll be minimal, even with Debbie Mercosul-Powell. So what I'm looking at is how does our vote look in a place where most of our population is, where there's not $20 million in Spanish advertising getting spent like it is in Nevada and Arizona? And then what's the difference with the Latino vote in those states? where all of this money's going in for Ruben Gallego and the super PACs and Biden and Rosen and all the stuff. I think that in a nutshell, besides, and we'll, we can dig down at a later podcast about all the congressionals under that and the state reps under that. But that one dynamic with mm-hmm. our voters, I think will be the biggest difference in how these elections come out because there'd be one common theme and I'll stop about our electorate, which is the Latino voters as more so than the Latino quote unquote vote. And that is we will, and this is probably the theme of the podcast, I already put this on mic, for the rest of the year, which is our voters will determine who the president will be. Our voters will determine who's in control of the U.S. Senate. And our voters will control exactly who wins the U.S. House because of where our population lives and the power of that vote in just a handful of races, which will determine the outcome of all the above. What do you think, Mike? I think that's I, I really insightful. And I like the way that you approached it because um, it, it, it is the perfect segue to what I think I'm finding most exciting and in, interesting this year. And after you know doing this for, for 30 years, I, I am still fascinated by the dynamics that are available to research and study and look at and examine uh, as it relates to this vote. You know, for the first 20 years of my career, like you said, it was all figuring out what's happening in California, what's happening in Texas, what is Florida uh, look like as this outlier. That's where most of the vote was. And sometimes, yeah, we'd scramble a little bit and there's some a piece of Arizona and there's Puerto Ricans in New York that we'd go look at. And and, and but but for the last 10, 15 years, it's starting to to get uh you know a little bit more ubiquitous. It's a big word of saying, Chuck, that's kind of, it's kind of everywhere. We're sort of everywhere now, right? Thank God I was going to come in. I don't know what the ubiquitous thing is. I don't want you to have to Google that. So I want to help you I'm out. I'm already on my phone. It's too late. And so now, now we're at this point where looking at the states where I think you're talking about like North Carolina, Latino vote can be decisive in North Carolina, 270,000 registered Latinos right now. I'll tell you what, North Carolina is going to come down to less than 25,000 votes either way in this thing. And Latinos are, you know, 10 times the size of that. And a funny thing about North Carolina is when you see polling, there's no Latino subsample. They're not sampling any Latinos in these surveys that they're quantifying. So you can't tell me that something that's way outside the margin of error now that isn't being uh, qualified uh, in terms of of public opinion polls isn't going to be determinative. Wisconsin, you're probably talking about that one too. We talked about this last year. More Latinos in Wisconsin than there are African-Americans. Guess what? Those numbers have increased because that's what we do as Latinos, right? We increase. Our numbers keep getting bigger. Pennsylvania, a place you've done a lot of work that's been really instrumental in moving uh, Pennsylvania back into a blue corner, blue column. Um, these are these are the states that we're going to look at with some really fascinating, interesting data. Look at what both state uh, parties uh, are, what national parties are doing at the state level to turn out and maximize this vote in places where they've never done it before. We'll be looking at the you know all all the good stuff, the 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 racial, ethnic, country of origin, the Spanish language programs, the messaging. Uh, which candidates are working there, which are not, how many candidates from the community are running. 
uh, how they're affecting turnout. All of this is going to be, I think, putting a number of states on the 270 map in play in a very, very different way. And I'm excited about that. I, I just every year I think, OK, this is it. I'm hanging up the cleats. Uh, the next cycle starts right back up again, and the dynamics are even more rich. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with you, Chuck. And and that is really, uh, you know, we approached it differently as we often do, but I think your answer is exactly the same as mine, is looking at these new, unique, different states outside of the commonplace, uh, you know, stereotypical states that we've been doing working for so many years. That doesn't mean we're not going to look at those because there's, there's some good stories popping out of there, too. Is are there vote shifts happening? Are there turnout issues happening? Are there candidates doing new and unique things? What do these commercials look like? We'll be doing some of those spots. Um, anyway, I, I'm I'm excited about it. it. Just it just keeps getting more and more exciting. I think that if you look at what will happen this year, and I think that it's important. We talk about this in the in the last year's episodes about you know it's easy to and and people love to. I'm going to use my big words now, the pontification, like to get out and talk on the TV and be the, the the talking head. And Mike's quoted in every news article every day and every newspaper that I read. And I'm I'm fortunate to get to go do a little media uh, from time to time. And when I'm on, it's, it never ceases to amaze me the amount that folks think they've got this kind of figured out. And they have definitely have an opinion, uh, especially a lot of white women and white men who I love, but they have lots of opinions about our community. The one thing that don't lie is money spending. And we're doing this in the second week of January. We're kicking this thing back off. And we're going to talk about watching the money because you can tell me and Mike Madrid how much you love our community, how much you're going to show up in our community. And we're going to go through all the numbers and all the strategy that you want to. But at the end of the day, it comes down to one thing. And it's show me the money. Show me the money. If you ain't spending money, to go talk to our community like you are to the general audience, and in many of these states, we are literally the general audience, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not really getting it done. And one thing I'll give you a little teaser as we get ready uh, to move into full-time doing this podcast is there's been more money spent while this podcast has been off the air talking to Latinos than I've ever seen in an off-year election. And you know what that means, girls and boys? Exactly what me and Mike Madrid just said is that they now know they can't win without our voters. And they know, because the numbers don't lie, that they're not a safe Democrat or Republican voter. Sure, we'll debate, and sure, they're more still voting Democrat. But our electorate, as we will go over and over again, is moving around. They're younger. They're more dynamic. But the money spend is really, really interesting. And I'm already seeing, right after the holidays, Folks talking to Latinos around the country, politicians that I've never seen in a January of an off year. Last off year was the earliest I'd ever seen the spin start, Mike. And it was like March. And it was the super PAC on the Senate side in Spanish in Nevada because they knew what we talked about on the podcast for almost a year, which was we're worried about Nevada in an off year with Latino voters. And so you're already starting to see that now. I think it's because they're listening to the podcast. Probably, probably. I'll give them <laughs> and, that. Yeah. And what I'll also say is, um, yeah, we're, we're we're rapidly hitting this point, Chuck. I mean, it's such a great point because uh, look, we've never seen that before. Like you said, and we've been doing this. We, there's a lot of cycles under under both of our belts. We are getting to that point where this is going to be a perpetual campaign, where there will be no downtime. You're going to have to constantly engage the community, and I think that that's ultimately what Chuck and I have been suggesting for many, 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 many years. Obviously, the podcast is a part of that. 
But that's where we're getting. And that's where I think uh, once we hit that point, then I think we start to ask a, another whole range of questions about who we as a community are, what it means, what our very American identity means, and how we're affecting the political process at that point going forward. Not quite there yet, but we are getting close and you can kind of see it. And I know you've been a part of a lot of those kind of off-cycle projects for a couple of years, too. You've shared some of those, what's worked and what hasn't. And that's what I really love about this show is, is getting uh, uh, to tap into your brain and your expertise. And I love being able to share it not only with, with you know the, the activists and people who are interested here on the show, the journalists who are very involved, who've picked up a whole host of stories just by listening to us banter back and forth, but more importantly, the other political consultants who are leaning in and saying, man, I never thought of that. That's That makes perfect sense. I can't believe that they've tried that. I'm going to have to incorporate some of that into our campaigns. And that's what makes this show unique. We're not just blathering about our ideas and perspectives, although we do a lot of that. Uh, I do a lot of that. I do, um, but but we you're you're getting real hands-on experience on campaigns that we're actually working on, where we're sharing with you as much as we possibly can, probably a little bit more, maybe getting ourselves into a little bit of trouble, but we're okay with that. Both of us are okay with that. That's why we're political consultants to begin with. But you're learning, you're getting some of that practical hands-on understanding of why we're doing in Arizona what we're doing, why we're going to be pushing the envelope in this part of Texas that way, why we're looking at Wisconsin differently. And uh, your your stuff that you were doing, some of that creative and some of that messaging that you were doing in Pennsylvania the last couple cycles was just kind of mind-blowing to me because it was so unique. It was so new and uh, and, and worked and um, the ability to learn, uh, even for me, for somebody who's been doing this a very long time, uh, I think is has been uh, been been really exciting. So let me let's let, let me say this: I, I I am excited because there's no the other part of this whole 24 cycle is this. There's no doubt that the Latino vote is a part of both national campaigns, both parties are going to have a strategy. They're going to have people working on them. They're going to have their different creative, their different messaging, their different polling, their different strategies. And I will say that I've never entered a January of the uh, election cycle with that being the case. I have always had to still be pushing to convince people to do this part of the program on the Republican side. And for the most part, this is just my projection here, Democrats were still largely kind of focusing on realizing they needed a GOTV operation to just get this vote out to the polls and would start building it in some cases early, in some cases very late. But to have both campaigns openly talking about what they're going to be doing, both campaigns being um, um, both both punished and uh, and patted on the back for what they're doing this early in the cycle is new. It is unique. One of the big stories that we did not get into because we were not on the air was this whole Univision story. And we we can get into that later. We don't have to now. I think we're gonna have a, a a pretty a couple of couple of, I think pretty important guests related to this story on the show later on. But the fact that Donald Trump is going to Univision and that Univision is hosting uh, a guy like Donald Trump is 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 just unique. Um, and that became part of the story, of course. But my bigger point is even even Donald Trump is focused on this in a very different way than he was in 2016 and 2020. And that tells me that there's gonna be a lot of attention, a lot of focus. Uh, on what's going to be happening this cycle. And um, I also would love to, Chuck, I don't, we haven't talked about this. I'd love to get some of the staff just from the RNC and DNC in here to just kind of talk 
about what it is that they're doing. And, uh, you know, you and I have, have seen so many staff members come and go through both of those doors to be able to uh, offer some of our, our perspective on what that means and what they're doing and kind of, I think, parse through some of the BS that, that both of them will give us. It's just fine. That's part of their job. Um, but I just, I, I really institutionally want to get a better understanding of what both entities are doing because it just tells you everything about where we're at, the, at, at the state of the game in American politics. I think you're right. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on at the DNC. And as me and you both know that the DNC is pretty much a shadow operation of Joe Biden because that's what happens. What right. will be most in, so we talk about that. Jamie Harrison is a dear friend of mine. Full disclosure, we'll talk about a lot of privilege that I have. I work for the DNC. I make Spanish ads for the DNC. Okay. Like I love what Jamie's doing. He's been spending more money. What'll be interesting uh, is to have them come talk about whatever they can talk about. I never talk about the integral details of my work without my client's approval. Yeah. But just as much as Joe Biden has run the D will run the DNC. And, and I'm not saying that to disparage the DNC or Joe Biden, that's the rules, but I'm making that point to tell you this for the audience members who may not know, because you learn a lot on these podcasts as well, bringing the experience that me and Mike talk about a lot is what, what role will Donald Trump have at the RNC? If he's the nominee, we all expect for him to be, but then what, what does that do to the RNC? You, uh, you know, I followed this great podcast that the New York Times did last year called The Run-Up. Mike, I took some of my off-year time listening to other podcasts, which yeah. I, I would think would make me a better podcaster. Mm -hmm. And they were going to these Republican conventions and talking to folks uh, like at the RNC meeting they had in California at Orange County, yeah. where there was like this Trump section of the RNC. Oh, they were electing uh, the, the chairwoman. Mm -hmm. So they were interviewing all these people, and I found it just fascinating as a yellow dog Democrat, but as somebody who loves the game and the battle and the strategy of watching Miss McDaniel, is her name right, Mike? Yeah, Ronald McDaniel. Against like the pillow guy and like two other guys who split up the <laughs> vote. If they'd have just got behind one person, does it sound familiar to all of y'all? They probably could have beat her. But then what role does the RNC have to try to legitimize somebody like Trump that me and Mike both actually have both spent a lot of our lifetimes fighting against somebody in the policies of a Donald Trump? That'll be unique. And I think that dovetails into, of course, the Univision story that we'll talk about on, you know, in the coming weeks. But then also in real time for y'all, today we are just a few days after Nevada. I mean, after Iowa, for God's sake, everything's Nevada for me. Uh, just a few days after Iowa, where four years ago, Mike Madrid and others give me and my team credit for getting 20,000 Latinos in Iowa to caucus. Mm -hmm. Nobody, no Latino showed up in Iowa in the last caucus a couple of days ago. Hell, I, I wouldn't. Shot, they, not even shot. No, I didn't even go. First time I hadn't <laughs> been in Iowa in years. It was 20 below. I'm glad yeah. I didn't go. You got to put a lot of hats on a bald head to stay warm. I'm just going to say it. But next is New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. And we know how much the listeners love for us to talk about Nevada. And I'm sure we'll do a whole episode. Hell, Mike, we should go to Nevada. But I think we should. For sure. But th that's going to be like, in my mind, it's how much money is Joe Biden spending? He can spend money now in Nevada talking about the primary, which is just free advertising, which bothers me about other places where Republicans are spending money. Because, again, whooever's spending money to talk to voters, our voters, is going to have a leg up in a lot of things. So there's just so much going on. I don't know how we're going to be able to do this just once a week. Well, we may do it more than once a week. And like I said, the reason we went dark with the podcast, because was we, uh, we we thought there wouldn't be a whole lot of news. We were a little bit wrong, but I also think we needed a break. There was just a lot going on. Let's uh, be clear. You were writing your memoir 
about <laughs> all your past lives. Let's be clear. I know yeah. you spent a lot of time, and I can't wait to talk when we can talk about it. I know you spent some time writing a book, and you promised me yeah. that all the private conversations that weren't on air will not be in there. And I know you received my check, and I know yeah. you cashed it because I can see it. So I'm not really worried about any of the obscure stories about our relationship. I, there will be some Chuck Rocha. No pictures, I promise. No photos that's, of that's Chuck That's all Rocha. I cared about. But there will be, a, the Chuck Rocha will make an appearance in the book, I assure you. Um, so let's, let's, I think we can wrap it up with this. And again, we just wanted to kind of bring you all back, let you know that we are here as old as we may be. We are still alive and kicking. We are going to be very active in the 2024 cycle. And we wanted to share with you the approach of what it is uh, that we're going to be looking at the lens, if you will, of how we're going to be looking at this. This is not going to be your typical California, Texas, Florida stories, although there's going to be a lot of that too. We're going to be looking at a lot of states where this has never been an issue before, and they will be consequential states. We're going to be looking at the Nevadas. We're going to be looking at the Wisconsins. We're going to be looking at Georgia. We're going to be absolutely be looking at Arizona, and I'm going to be squeezing Chuck for all that inside information when he's got a whole lot of, uh, of inside information on what's going to be going on in both Nevada and Arizona that we'll be pushing him uh, to get us some of that information, um, but of course the Pennsylvanias and 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 everywhere else. I mean, it's just this is not a uh, a, a, a a there's no longer a way to get to 270 or to a majority of the House of Representatives for either party without a strong concerted strategy. And we will be lifting up the hood and asking the right questions of the right people um, on uh, over the course of the next uh, 12 months or so. So let me say, let me also say this. I cannot tell you how important your involvement is and has been with this. Chuck and I have said this over and over again, but your ability to help us both financially with uh, co contributing to the Patreon account has been huge. Thank you for that. It's helped us pay for some of the production here. Uh, your, uh, re your requests for uh, guests and I, some of the ideas, the early ideas we've had on guests uh, were, were really, I think, fascinating and surprising. It's not going to be your standard folks. We are going to be having a number of your, the regular names back, good names, journalists who are covering this stuff uh, up close and personal and giving us some of their own personal insight. But we've got some really fantastic guests lined up that I think you're really going to love. But if you've got ideas, we do want to hear them. And of course, topics. If you've got uh, uh, topics that you, we are not covering uh, just let us know what's a priority on your mind so that we can do a better job on the production side of lining up our calendars, editorial calendars, doing the research that we need to do to provide you with the best content that we can out there. Um, and so with that, we wanted to keep it short and sweet. Chuck, any parting words for our dear audience? There's things that happen that y'all may be tracking that we are, and I just want to dovetail on Mike just a little bit. And that is, if you see or reading a new young Latino journalist, if you are hearing and talking to folks out there of, of Latino activists or operatives in the states that I will never meet or Mike Madrid will never meet, DM us on our Twitter, DM us uh, on the uh, on the newsletter. You know how to reach us because those are the people we want to have on the podcast. And, you know, me and Mike are old. We're privileged. We get to sit in our homes. We don't travel like that. I don't know who the new young organizer is in East uh, Vegas who will have a big impact. I don't know who's doing something in some random congressional seat in the Texas Valley. So if you tell us those people, that's who we want to lift up. You know, if there's a new Latino artist that's getting a lot of attention because they did something and they're out there on TikTok, right? Me and Mike Madrid ain't out there on TikTok every day. So we don't know exactly everything that may be happening, but we want to make this show very culturally competent, much more so than an older male 
Mexican demographic, which me and Mike are so fortunate to be in, but we want your ideas to Mike's point, but think outside of the box, organizers, artists. Uh, I think my son calls them influencers, micro influencers. Those are the ones that I'm most interested in this cycle. Again, on my behalf, I've missed all of y'all. I'm glad to be back. I'll turn it back over to Mike to close us out, but we're super excited to get this thing rolling again. So glad to be back with you. Um, DM us, send us messages, give us ideas, and we will see you in the coming weeks. The, the, the hope here is to do this weekly. Um, as Chuck mentioned, as we get into the final throw of this thing, we will be having special episodes too, because uh, there's just going to be so much news happening so fast. We're going to want to cover it. And I think we'll be talking a little bit about doing some more stuff on site, on location, in some of these battleground states. Until next week, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. And we will talk to you in a week. Thank you.